Hello and welcome to the Talking Indonesia podcast. I'm Dave McCrae from the University of Melbourne's Asia Institute and today I'll be speaking about violence against women with Yunianti Huzaifa, Vice Chairperson of the National Commission on Violence Against Women, known as Komnas Perempuan, who was previously also Chairperson of the Commission from 2010 to 2014. Buyuni, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Komnas Perempuan in March released its annual report on violence against women, employing divorce statistics from the religious courts as well as data from its partner organisations to present a figure of approximately 320,000 cases of violence against women in Indonesia, something the report described as the tip of the iceberg. I started by asking Yuni if she could estimate how much of the violence against women in Indonesia Komnas Perempuan's annual report was capturing. The the global data, especially on sexual violence, mostly only uh, every eight of cases, only one reported to the court or to the uh, services of uh, violence against women. So I think uh, the the number of the or the data on the real violence against women, uh, this is possibly can eight times uh, than the uh, reported data. And this is different from uh, one region to another region. For instance, in, in Papua, uh, two years ago, there were like only zero uh, reported data on violence against women. So, Komnas Perempuan tried to uh, came to uh, come to uh, that uh, area and we found from uh, like a uh, uh, 50 uh, women in, in that meeting and most of them victims of uh, violence against women, especially uh, domestic uh, violence. So this is uh, capturing how the reported data, this is low uh, than the uh, real uh, data and from uh, different areas, uh, they have a different uh, picture of violence against women because this is related to the accessibility of the justice, accessibility of the services, the the bravery of the victims to talk different on the uh, cultural uh, aspect and also religious issues, how they uh, supported the victims, how they uh, do not blame the victims. So this is a various aspect behind the reported cases of uh, uh, violence against women, especially sexual violence. I asked Yuni what are the main forms of violence against women in Indonesia as captured by current reporting and whether we are seeing changes over time. With the existence of national law on domestic violence, most of the reported cases on uh, on domestic violence, and uh, this is very clear from uh, time to time, uh, around 80 until 95 percent of domestic violence is violence uh, against uh, the wives. This is like the the main issues uh, from time to time, and it means really clear that when the national law exists, the uh, the Victims will easily consider that we have umbrella to report their cases. So the the role of National Commission on Violence Against Women or Komnas Perempuan, we try to to monitor the violence against women that not covered by the law or there is no law appropriate or uh, available on this. For instance, about the violence against migrant workers, and at the moment we also monitoring the violence against women related to the, the drug uh, trafficker. Uh, 
trafficking and also about the death penalty, of course, related to this issue and other issues that a new metamorphosis or form of uh, prostitution. And we also, uh, another uh, fi- form of uh, violence against women is cyber violence, especially cy- uh, cy- violence against women in the uh, cyber media. And also uh, the surveillance against uh, women impacted by the uh, discriminatory bylaws in some areas in uh, Indonesia. So uh, this is some of uh, violence against women and especially the domestic violence among the domestic workers because we don't have protection, so the, the domestic workers uh, exist everywhere without uh, any protection. Yuni then outlined the main drivers of violence against women in Indonesia. Uh, because of the patriarchy is still uh, there. I mean that most of the states uh, also, this is like a global global evaluation on the violence against women, and also it has happened in Indonesia. The state already satisfied when they produce the legal aspect. And from Komnas Perempuan perspective, this is not enough because legal aspect not automatically give a guarantee of the justice uh, from the victim's uh, perspective. And there is no impact, uh, serious impact studies of the implementation of those uh, legal aspect or law. And the second is the at the current at the current situation of Indonesia, the challenge of the religious issues is there. There is a still a big gap between the human rights and also the uh, religious uh, teaching and the institution. Uh, so uh, we have to like a Komnas Perempuan role. How we translate the human rights to the religious group, to the religious institution, to end violence against women and other issues that the domestic sphere. Uh, especially related to the sexual violence, uh, the issue of sexual violence is still still untouchable areas, and the impunity is there. The findings of Komnas Perempuan, uh, we monitor in ten years, the seventy percent of the perpetrators are the relatives or having a personal uh, relation or member of family, and uh, most of violence against women uh, happened at the domestic uh, sphere. So this is picturing uh, about. Uh, how the the impunity also stimulating violence against women and the accessibility of the victims to uh, bring their case to the court. This is also stimulating impunity and this is the the, the situation and the cause of the uh, the root cause of the violence. Among these four drivers of violence, a state satisfied with having laws on the books rather than looking at their implementation, religious understandings at odds with human rights impunity for perpetrators from women's domestic sphere and the varying accessibility of courts to women, Yuni outlined the ways in which Indonesia's status as a majority Muslim country has contributed to specific patterns of violence. For instance, in the religious majority, you can see two sides of Indonesia. We also have good practices, progressive Islam or Muslims in Indonesia. But also at the moment, we are in the transition process. How we have to negotiate some issues. For instance, violence against women in the context of the religious uh, intolerance. This is also at the moment uh, become uh, a challenge. And this is, of course, the serious impact to 
women uh, because of the religious intolerance is uh, there. We also find our findings on the issues of harmful uh, practices like female genital mutilation. Uh, even in Indonesia, possibly not really uh, mutilation as uh, what practiced in some African countries, uh, but the uh, female circumcision is there. The real challenge when the female circumcision has, you know, used with the religious term in Indonesia with the sunat or hitan, this is very difficult uh, to negotiate, to convince that this is part of the harmful uh, practices. So our challenge is how we have to like uh, disassociate between the harmful practices with the uh, religious teaching and how we also can reform the religious teaching by using the good practices of the religious aspect because a lot of religi uh, good religious uh, aspect that uh, we also can use to end violence against women. Uh, this is, I think, uh, and also uh, early marriage. At the moment, we are struggling to uh, to uh, stop child marriage. Unfortunately, the Constitutional Court uh, reject the judicial review to increase the age of uh, minimum uh, marriage for the girls, uh, previously 16s, and we would like to uh, increase, become 18. And this is uh, rejected. The judicial review, this is coming from women's, a lot of uh, women's group in Indonesia. And at that time, I myself invited as a uh, expert uh, in the judicial review and I convinced, I used the argument that allowing child marriage, it's mean the state facilitating rape girls rapes uh, through the uh, marriage institution so this is i try to use uh, that's this argument and also it means that the state open possibility for the pedophiles to uh, exploit the girls through the uh, marriage institution so this is like a typical issues how komnas uh, perempuan should uh, deal with the religious groups uh, religious institution religious teachings on violence against women but at this at the same times we have some hopes that some of religious groups also having a progressive uh, point of view. That's why Komnas uh, Perempuan try to embrace re uh, religious institution with the project that we call Breaking uh, Silence. We would like to ask uh, religious institution, religious leaders to hear the women's victim victims' uh, voices and we would like to have like stimulate methodology how those religious uh, religious leader have new interpretation that friendly to the women's victim and afterward we would like to uh, encourage them to uh, institutionalizing the interpretation uh, as a institutional uh, policy Yuni outlined Komnas Perempuan's work with Indonesia's two largest Islamic organizations Nadatul Ulama and Muhammadiyah the Commission collaborated with Nadatul Ulama to hold a side event on ending violence against women at that organization's congress. Apart from also accessing Muhammadiyah's congress, Komnas Perempuan has worked with some of Muhammadiyah's universities to insert materials on women's human rights into their curriculum. I asked Yuni whether she has seen a change of community attitudes as a result of this work. Yes, at least we we work with the formal mechanism, I mean with the, through the structure, but we also uh, working with 
the progressive actors, member of the Nahdlatul Ulama uh, Muhammadiyah that he called with the Alimat. Alimat is the female ulama, female uh, religious leaders, yeah, and most of them coming from uh, those two uh, influential institutions. So we, uh, the, the, in, the initiative, the initial uh, establishment of Alimat, this is also supported by Komnas Perempuan, and at the moment we work together to discuss about uh, some crucial issues, especially Alimat, they have new methodology how to negotiate religious interpretation uh, from the ground through the concept of the family justice uh, mechanism, how to promote ending violence from the, from the home. From the uh, from the family, so this is uh, one uh, one approach. And I think, but we still have like some list to do, especially like we have to discuss further about the death penalty issues. That way, at the moment, Komnas Perempuan try to documenting the impact of death penalty to the uh, families. We would like to how a public hear the issues of death penalty from the family perspective, from who are already executed, who are still waiting, and who are already released. So this is, we are still finishing on that issue. So hopefully through this finding, we can work with the religious institution, also with the public in general, and also with the state. Earlier in the podcast, Yuni mentioned violence against wives by their husbands as the most commonly reported form of violence against women in Indonesia. I asked Yuni what would be a typical way for a woman to seek support in Indonesia if she suffered violence from her husband. Although she focuses on the religious courts in her answer, which adjudicate family law matters for Muslims, Yuni subsequently clarified that women in fact pursue a variety of avenues to seek support, depending on their needs, including from religious institutions, service providers, and the formal court system in the case of non-Muslims. Most of the victims of violence, especially from the religious uh, family, they come to the religious court and they solve the violence through divorce. This is this is big issues for Komnas Perempuan. Why? Because this is like uh, promoting the impunity. Because most of the women uh, prefer just to like go far away uh, from their husband, but without you know uh, bring the husband, the perpetrator, to the to the court. This is this is big issue. Uh, and why it happens? Five years ago, Komnas Perempuan conducted a big event about women's knowledge. We talk about the law and punishment, and the big reflection on that that most of the women's victims of violence they don't want to criminalize their husbands. Why? Because they will lose uh, lose their breadwinner, uh, and the second they don't want to per perpetuate or bring the serious impact to their uh, children because if the husband jailed it means the whole of family especially uh, the girls they have the children the daughters they have will be stigmatized in the society yuni explained that komnas perempuan are working to integrate the two justice systems so that cases are referred to the criminal justice system when a religious court judge awards it a force because of domestic violence. Regarding her first point, that women may be reluctant to criminalise their husband for fear of losing a breadwinner, I asked whether the women were typically granted fair compensation out of divorce proceedings. 
not all the women uh, for the post marriage they get automatic compensation from their ex uh, husband this is also uh, another challenge some of the judges they have like strong initiative and strong decision to uh, to make sure that the husband fulfill their uh, responsibility but there is no mechanism of monitoring to make sure that the also the compensation of the post-marriage will be uh, well fulfilled uh, by ex-husband. The report from the annual year is very uh, clear that the violence by ex-husbands is also still there. Uh, so, uh, and unfortunately, the definition of the definition of the domestic violence is only violence between husbands and wife, but they not cover the uh, undertable marriage or secret marriage, and also the issues of postmarital issues. So this is another another issues that we have to address. In their annual report, Komnas Perempuan cite religious court statistics that the majority of divorce proceedings, around two-thirds, are brought by women. I asked Yoni to characterize community attitudes to women bringing divorce proceedings. At the moment, most of the women uh, demanded to uh, divorce. Uh, from the perspective of, of the religious perspective, this is oh, uh, women at the moment having bravery to uh, ask divorce and they rights because previously most of the religious community thinking that the divorce only coming from the uh, husband. This is to some extent open the wider gate for women who experiencing uh, violence against women to, to get out from the uh, violence in their family. But uh, there is also uh, other issues because uh, we, we try to detect, to monitor further why uh, women uh, asking divorce. Sometimes because this is also uh, husbands uh, from the scenario uh, from the husband because some of the process if the women's asking divorce the procedure sometimes uh, shorter and faster and the second the husband can avoid postmarital responsibility because the wife's uh, demand so this is you know the mechanism that initially to protect women but when the patriarchy is still there so this is manipulated by the the, the men, by the husbands to uh, re-exploit the women. Even in the the, the promotion of uh, how uh, opening the rights for women to ask for. At the beginning, this is a, as a solution for women uh, to to uh, get off from the violence. But finally, sometimes used uh, by uh, this masculine uh, legal system. On this point of male-dominated institutions enabling misuse of protections for women, I asked Yuni how much of an obstacle male-dominated institutions are to achieving positive change on violence against women in Indonesia. To cite just a sample of the state institutions concerned with the Commission's work, only one of the nine justices at the Constitutional Court is a woman. Women make up only 17% of members of Indonesia's national legislature, whereas the police is also a male-dominated institution. We still have the, the, the real problem of that, but uh, we also uh, 
a bit happy because like in the police at the moment they increase the number of uh, police uh, women 7000 uh, police women uh, increase uh, to support the unit of the serf, uh, services unit for the report of violence against women uh, in the uh, police institution i think this is a good uh, achievement and at the moment uh, in the parliament we have also caucus women uh, at the parliament and we uh, we have uh, like a discussion and one of the sexual bill sexual violence uh, bill finally on the list of uh, priority uh, national legislation uh, this is also, uh, I think, the good collaboration between uh, like a national human rights institutions, the uh, services uh, providers in some communities uh, in the region, regions, and also uh, with the uh, women uh, parliament members. So even the number is my minority, but I think the the effort of especially women uh, struggling uh, in in uh, each institutions is uh, is, uh, is there even in some of the legal uh, apparatus institution is still need to struggle uh, harder. Komnas Perumpuan has succeeded in getting a draft law on eliminating sexual violence onto the priority legislation list for 2016. One of the key elements of this draft law, Uni explained, would be to more comprehensively enact protections against different forms of sexual violence. A Komnas Perumpuan survey found only three of 15 forms of sexual violence are currently prohibited under Indonesian law. Yes, we would like to uh, include uh, the, all the spectrums of, of sexual violence uh, types, uh, not only rape, and rape can be uh, not only by penetration, but also can be a various form of rape, uh, sexual harassment, uh, sexual exploitation, slavery, forced steri sterilization or forced uh, abortion, and, and other types, especially also the sexual violence during the conflict and disaster situation. I think this is uh, the time. And also we discussed about the punishment and, and recovery. Yuni explained that issues of punishment are still under debate, specifically the question of whether sexual offenders who have themselves been abused should be punished, as well as a proposal to castrate uh, offenders against children, which the Commission opposes on human rights ground. Yuni felt the public debate over this draft law had been a positive process. Interestingly, the process of bringing uh, sexual bills, this is not coming from the sky uh, by the parliament member only or state apparatus but this is really coming from the ground this is based on the victims uh, experience and also formulated together with the national commission with the public uh, services and with the public in general and we demand to the to the government i think this is the process itself this is part of the public education and hopefully when it passed the this is become the ownership of the public to this uh, national law uh, will be better but we are we should compete how the sexual violence can be priority of the parliament although the draft law on sexual violence is on the priority legislation list for this year uni explained she cannot predict whether or not it will be passed saying it was public knowledge that parties tended to prioritize politically weighty laws on things such as party issues and corruption
based on the experience uh, last period of the parliament the women's issues uh, bill is really really even almost zero so that's why we are struggling in this context and i hope with this new parliaments uh, and uh, the work of many aspect many uh, response from the society uh, we hope this this issues uh, can get a priority and and also the issues of the child protection also sometimes this important but how we the public understand clearly that these two priorities is as important as uh, so we cannot like deprioritizing each other. <laughs> okay, the, the child protection and violence against women shouldn't be competing with each other as priorities. They're they're both important. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so both are them important. <laughs> Turning to President Jokowi, I asked whether he has paid specific attention to violence against women or has provided support to the sexual violence law. Yuni noted that Jokowi has to some extent given a positive signal on combating violence against women increasing funding to Komnas Perempuan, giving women a greater opportunity to become ministers and to lead strategic institutions, and placing more priority on Papua. I think to some extent he gave like a signal, positive signal uh, to response of violence against women. But specifically on the issues of sexual violence, we don't have like a uh, have explicit statement on these uh, issues but from the uh, issues of the uh, for example uh, on the issue of security uh, she hire a female deputy to talk about the security issues i think this is another signal that uh, Jokowi giving space on uh, to end violence against women even sometimes he he like uh, make misleading uh, statement for uh, misleading support, for instance, for instance about the issue of the castration, the castration uh, for the male perpetrator. But when we when we talk, we give input that okay, this is contradictory to the uh, principle of human rights. At the moment, this bill like postponed. So I think the things that we have to respect from Jokowi, he open uh, space to discuss, open uh, space uh, for the dialogue. So this is I think the uh, positive energy that. We have to maintain. Finally, I asked Yuni if she could outline the key priorities that Komnas Perumpuan is really focusing on to combat violence against women beyond the draft law on sexual violence. Uh, yes, uh, we, as I mentioned before, we also would like to work with the uh, uh, education uh, institution uh, because uh, what happening in Indonesia, for example, we have legal aspect, but the cultural power, the cultural dynamic is also very influential. So if uh, we don't have a legal mechanism, if we work through the cultural uh, mechanism, for instance, to end the forced uh, marriage, for instance, uh, some of uh, like a civil society, women's organizations, and also uh, Komnas Perempuan, we always like uh, work with the education institutions uh, to give wider space for education uh, education rights for the girls. Uh, for instance, when there is a policy in the school uh, to expel women uh, pregnant at the primary or high schools. So we said that the schools should give uh, opportunity for women to complete their education rights. This is, uh, and we uh, talked to publicly that don't blame the victims of sexual violence because the women expelled from the school mostly victims of sexual uh, violence. So 
this is uh, working with the cultural issues, religious issues, also one of the effort. And also we work with the uh, we work with the civil society society to to maintain the democracy and and human rights. Yes. So yes, uh, other uh, other uh, struggle of Komnas Perempuan. Uh, we also documenting discriminatory bylaws, uh, 389 discriminatory bylaws produced uh, during uh, post reformation uh, era that politicizing uh, the religion. Uh, so uh, and this is mostly uh, targeting women, controlling women mobility and identity and expression and dress code, also controlling the uh, women's mobility at night especially what happened in Aceh and also like uh, regulating the religious issues uh, that sub the, in the process and the substance and the impact discriminating other uh, other uh, communities so through this issue we use uh, constitution as uh, to bring back all this element to use historical memory of constitution that the the spirit of the constitutions is as a fundamental fundamental contents fundamental rights uh, that uh, we have to we have to obey and we have to follow so we cannot use people can be religious but we cannot govern the state based on the religion because we are plural we are a diverse society this is this is uh, the framework uh, we try to do and we also uh, supporting and open resources uh, for the uh, civil society especially from the grassroots uh, and especially from the victims organization of victim uh, survivors we hopefully we can support the transition from the victims to be survivor and from the survivor to be uh, defenders uh, to end uh, violence against women. Um, there's so much more I could ask you, uh, but I'm afraid we're out of time. Uh, thanks so much for sharing your insights with us today. It's been great. Thank you very much. That was Yunianti Huzaifa, Deputy Chairperson of the National Commission on Violence Against Women, Komnas Perempuan. Find every episode of the Talkie Indonesia podcast at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog or subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher. Talkie Indonesia returns on 21 April with my co-host Ken Satyawan. Until then, this has been the Talkie Indonesia podcast. Bye for now.